Hi, I'm Carmen LaBerge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. Getting ready to represent Christ to your world today. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. Well, good morning. Good morning on this 13th of January, 2021. Um, in anticipation of our leadoff conversation this morning with, uh, t- with Tony Newhoff about marriage, I wanted to highlight the verse from Hebrews chapter 13, where we're instructed to esteem marriage and hold marriage uh, in, in honor. And so uh, I was drawn into the 13th chapter of Hebrews, reading the one verse that I wanted to highlight in context, and was reminded of just how much God has to say in the Bible about the role of Christians as a part of a civil society and how we actually bring not only a kingdom influence to bear, but a civilizing influence to bear. And I thought uh, in this morning's Where in the Word segment, we, uh, we, we should probably just read Hebrews chapter 13. Let brotherly love continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unaware. Remember those who are in prison, as though in prison with them, and those who are mistreated, since you also are in the body. Let marriage be held in honor among all, and let the marriage bed be undefiled, for God will judge the sexually immoral and the adulterous. Keep your life free from the love of money. And be content with what you have, for he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we confidently say, the Lord is my helper, I will not fear. What can man do to me? Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever Do not be led away by diverse and strange teachings, for it is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace, not by foods, which have not benefited those devoted to them. We have an altar from which those who serve the tent have no right to eat, for the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the holy places by the high priest as a sacrifice for sin are burned outside the camp. So Jesus also suffered outside the gate in order to sanctify the people through his own blood. Therefore, let us go to him. Outside the camp, bear the reproach that he endured. For here we have no lasting city, but we seek the city that is to come. Through him, him, then, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God, that is, the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. Do not neglect to do good, and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them uh, do this with joy and not with groaning, uh, for that would be of no advantage to you. And pray for us, for we are sure that we have a clear conscience desiring to act honorably in all things. 
I urge you the more earnestly to do this in order that I may be restored to you the sooner. This is the word of the Lord from Hebrews chapter 13. Where in the word are you today? Let us be first and foremost people of the word before we set foot in the world that God so loves. Tony Newhoff, uh, you you probably know her quite famous uh, pastor husband and blogger, Carrie Newhoff. Uh, Tony is, uh, she's a legit in her own right. She is uh, an attorney. She is a pharmacist. She is um, now an author. She has spent a lot of years uh, consulting with and counseling couples who are considering or contemplating um, divorce. And she's now written a book, Before You Split. And this is about uh, finding a way to to stay together, really, before you split. Find what you really want for the future of your marriage. And then, um, and then she helps you achieve it. So Carrie Newhoff is up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Tony Newhoff is a family law mediator. Uh, she's a former divorce attorney. She's the co-host of the Smart Family Podcast. She's joining us today to talk about her brand new book, Before You Split. Tony, welcome to Mornings with Carmen. Hey, thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. I realized um, it, after I introduced you um, there in the tease before the break, um, I might have uh, I might have said Carrie was joining me, and then I realized Tony, uh, <laughs> Carrie and Tony are are names that we could be we could swap around, and um, so I apologize if I misspoke prior to the break. Oh no worries, it's funny. It's a running joke with Carrie and I. Even our long term friends will switch our names. <laughs> so you know, maybe this is just evidence that you are genuinely one. Yeah, I hope so. It's true now anyway. <laughs> there you go. So let's talk about um well let's talk about why you are offering up this um this particular book at this particular moment. We are um we're in the midst of a of a pandemic. Uh the stresses and strains on marriage uh maybe have never been greater. I will say in my own marriage it's been a particularly sweet time, but I mm. recognize that for many people it has driven them to conversations that um that maybe they were not having because they were essentially living separate lives anyway. And um, and now pressed together for such extended period of time, they are uh, they're having conversations and considering things they weren't considering before. And some of that might be a conversation about uh, splitting up. Talk, talk about um, your passion for this topic. Mm-hmm. Oh, I've, uh, it, it is. Uh, something that comes from the the core of me um, because, well, for two reasons. One was Carrie and I went through a long season of struggle. Um, We've started to call it our 10-year argument. And uh, it it was about 15 years ago when we reached the lowest point. So I know what it's like to be there. I know what it's like to feel like I don't know if we could ever be in love again. 
And uh, on the other hand, I practiced family law or as a divorce attorney, as you would say in the U.S., and I, I could have imagined myself being the person on the other side of my desk, uh, the client I was helping. And so now I, I, I know what it took for Carrie and I to make the transition from that bad to this good. And I've also seen some, seen some things through my practice um, where people had imagined their divorce would go one way and it really did, didn't line up with what they were expecting. And they came back to me at the end of the day and said, if I'd only known then what I know now, I would have worked harder to try to save my marriage. So I just wanted to put all of this together and help people see more clearly what their options are and what they might be able to do to save their marriage. All right. If Tony's speaking your heart language right now, she's speaking into the reality of your life. I do have um, uh, a number of books to give away today. Um, If this is your heart topic, if you've been waiting for this conversation, if you're feeling stuck or overwhelmed or disconnected in the midst of a troubled marriage, you're worrying about the impact on your kids, you want to sow seeds of peace in your marriage, you want it to, you want to be in love with your, uh, with your spouse again. Um, Today's the day that you should text the word book to 877-933-2484. Again, let's let's reserve the copies that we have for for people in our listening audience for whom this is their critical heart issue. Um, And if so, then let me invite you to text the word book to 877-933-2484. You can also find Tony online at Tony Newhoff, spelled N-I-E-U-W-H-O-F dot com. Um, Tony, talk about, uh, talk with us about uh, the process that leads that leads a person and a couple to even consider the question of dividing that which, you know, at one point they stood before God and others and said, you know, I'm committed to you for better, for worse, and sickness and health, and plenty and in want, and joy and in sorrow, to death do us part. And now I am considering rendering that which, you know, which God joined together. Like, how, how, do, how does it get to that point? Mm-hmm. It's such a good question uh, because, you know, when Carrie and I, made our vows to each other, we were 100% committed to, uh, you know, to going through life together. And, uh, and it's, it's almost as if over time, um, there were assaults against our marriage that we couldn't even grasp at the time. You know, it was, it was, it was heart-wrenching and very confusing. So, you know, now we can see with 2020 hindsight that um, I would say, for one, I was emotionally unprepared for marriage. You know, I'd come through uh, a childhood with trauma, and there were some uh, heart wounds that really hadn't healed. Um, there were expectations that both of us had um, that were completely different. Uh, I think that's very common. Um, But in addition to that, Carrie and I had very different styles and outlooks as far as conflict goes and conflict resolution. And so even getting through the communication to try to resolve some of these differences was, was just so difficult for us. And I think we've, we both were telling ourselves these hidden victim stories in the background. 
Uh, and they also, you know, if you're telling yourself a victim story and believing that it's all my spouse's fault, then that, that victim story will cloud your vision, just like putting on glasses that are wrong for you. Uh, that, you know, all you can see are, are the blurry images without the details and the nuances. And so, um, so all of those things were going on, and it took us quite a, a period of unraveling and bringing ourselves before Christ and getting into God's Word um, to start to unravel all of these layers. Um, Tony, we got to take a very brief break. When we come back, I'd I'd love for you to respond to just some of the like the outcries of the heart. The those like I didn't sign up for this or I can't do this anymore. Um, mm. and, and because I think that for a lot of folks, you know, it's that's what they hear themselves saying. Um, and you're you're trying to help us hear um, something else. So I'm going to continue my conversation with Tony Newhoff in just a moment. We're talking about her, her brand new book. Before you split, uh, and if this is the book that you've been waiting for us to cover, um, then you can text the word "book" to eight seven seven nine three three two four eight four. If this is the conversation going on in your heart that needs to be going on in your home, um, text the word "book" to eight seven seven nine three three two four eight four. We'll be right back. Continue my conversation now with Tony Newhoff about her brand new book. I mean, literally, like it just dropped yesterday, uh, before you split. And we're talking about um, the ways in which you can uh, reinvest in your marriage and um, and re-sow seeds of peace and um, genuine affection and mutual consideration, uh, mercy, humility, and love, uh, that you could have uh, a marriage right now that you that you don't actually see. Um, so talk with us, Tony, about, you know, like responding to sort of the outcries of the heart and mind, I didn't sign up for this, or I can't do this anymore, or that's it, I'm done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've uh, been in a place where I've said those things myself. And, uh, and and the thing is, even though your emotions are telling you that, uh, that you know, I, I can't do this, this is it, uh, there's there are ways that you can move past those big emotions uh, and in well in my book I lay out many different I'll only be able to touch on a few of them um, but you know if you've been telling yourself that it's all my spouse's fault then look for that victim story like there there is a role and you know, sometimes people say, well, I, I really mean that it is my spouse's fault. Uh, and so, you know, it's never usually a hundred zero in terms of how you would divide up what's going on. Look for your part, even if it's a small part. And, you know, that prayer that David prayed, search me, God, and know my heart. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Uh, that, that prayer can be so illuminating. Um, it, it's, uh, I'll switch gears. Expectations can also lead to, to huge emotions. And uh, you need to start having honest conversations about what your expectations are. Like, for example, if you notice that you're getting triggered, you're both getting triggered over a financial conversation, for example, you've probably got clashing expectations. And And the thing is that um, if you don't control your expectations, your emotions will control you. So it's just so important to step back from those emotions and, and, and get introspective. 
you know, each on your own, try to explore what the expectations were in whatever your argument regarded, and then come back together and and see if you can have uh, a searching conversation about what was what was underneath. You know, what are those expectations, and and are they realistic or are they unrealistic? Uh, and in addition to that, you know, if, if people are um, are in a season of conflict, it's common to see your spouse as being the opponent. But what you really need to see is that you're on the same team. And even Mm -hmm. if you don't feel like you're on the same team, you know, recognizing that when you're airing your differences, um, an easy thing to keep in mind is if I win, we lose. And so the question is, how can we win? And so it's a, just a different approach to, you know, getting into these differences. Let's get to the bottom of them, but let's be on the same team as we do it. If I win, we lose. Yeah, I'm I'm t- I'm writing that down. Um, so, you know, one of the things that occurs to me as you're as you're sharing is that first of all, this is soil that you've tilled in your own life, and it's also um, soil that you have tilled in consultation and uh, in, in counseling other couples. Um, and so let's talk a little bit about um, expectation, realistic expectations in terms of how fast this happens, because I, I like this quote, don't expect instant results when you start planting the seeds of new life in your marriage. Have the willingness to wait. Um, there's a um, <laughs> there is a um, it took us a long time to get to this point. It is going to take us some time to get to a better place. I mean, that's that's some of what's going on here. Mm-hmm. I so agree. It's it's so unhelpful to think that, you know, we're going to be able to work through these things and six weeks later, everything will be wonderful. You know, it it just is going to take some time. Um, and, and that's why I like the analogy of the harvest, we, because we all know that when you plant seeds, there's no point standing and staring at the spot. <laughs> mm. so, <clears throat> it's going to take some time for that seed to sprout, germinate, grow. And so in, in, in a similar way, it's, I think it's more helpful to look at this as a marathon. And particularly if you're struggling, there's probably not just one issue going on. Uh, there's probably a few things that are layered up. It's a little more complicated than, um, than it may look to be at first glance. Because we have a tendency to blame, we have a tendency to tell a victim story and to try to, um, you know, zero in on, on one weakness or one fault of our partner. But that's not usually the whole story. And so just viewing this as something that, um, that I'm going to walk through day by day. Jesus, please give me the grace for this day. And, uh, you know, help me to be kind in this one scenario. And as, as you walk through it, um, I, I think having a spirit of dependency is so helpful. Like Jesus invites us to depend on him and, and having that moment-by-moment um, moment dependency, I, I think is just is, is going to be so helpful. Um, you know, I, I think when Carrie and I got into that place where we didn't know whether we were going to make it or not, we we had to depend on Jesus being the third strand in our marriage, just as Ecclesiastes 4.12 says that a cord of three strands is not quickly broken. Um, at one point, it really was Jesus. Jesus was the strand holding us together, um, but he is faithful. 
he is so faithful. And I, I, I can say that Carrie and I had no idea that our marriage would become this rich harvest that it is now. Um, but it just takes one tiny seed, one tiny step at a time. Yeah, I love the analogy of the harvest. Um, you've also referenced there the analogy of a marathon. It is a long run. It is taken one step at a time. Um, it is it is better enjoyed together. Um, and it's all the way home. Like part of, I think, what enriches um, my marriage is I, we would not ne- really I think I can honestly say this. We would never have a conversation um, about whether or not we were going to split because that would just never be an option. I mean, I would just mm-hmm. it, right. It just wouldn't. That would not be a consideration. Um, and part of that for us is from, you know, from the very beginning of our relationship. And we were older when we met. So I recognize that that's different than, mm-hmm. um, than some people's storyline. Um, but our our commitment to one another is a commitment forged in Christ. Um, he is he is, you know, the basis of and the and the and the one in whom we enjoy our marriage now and the one to whom our marriage points. Um, and so t- talk about that a little bit. Talk about having some kind of vision outside of yourselves for um, for your marriage. Yes. Well, the, you know, a marriage is part of a legacy. And particularly right now, I would speak to parents. Um, if, if you're considering uh, whether or not this marriage is is you know, going to work, if you're at that place, place of saying, I can't do this anymore, um, you're, if you would make that decision to split, uh, the thing is your kids will see it as their divorce. Like kids talk about it in this term, um, you know, when I went through my divorce. And it has more of an impact than you think it does. Um, there are definitely things that parents can do to, to mitigate it, uh, but kids at the core, they want to see their parents stay together. Mm-hmm. Um, they are, uh, particularly when they get caught in the middle, um, it is so uh, life-altering for them. Um, they, they get caught up in loyalty conflicts. They sometimes feel like they're walking on eggshells because they're trying to please both parents. And, and so if, uh, you know, parents sometimes wonder, well, I need to do this for the sake of my kids because I don't like what they're seeing in our marriage. And the thing is, if you can slow down and just realize that your kids need you to help each other win as parents, and they need to see you treating each other with some kindness and respect because your respect for their other parent relates to them. You know, they, your kids know instinctively that they're made up of both of you. Mm-hmm. And so just seeing, you know, figuring out what can I do right now to help, um, help what, you know, help craft the environment of our home into one that, um, you know, that does make it emotionally safe for my kids. And then, you know, in doing that, could, could that change possibly bring us closer? You know, could it? keep us together as a family. Um, My hope and prayer for people who are struggling is that they'll be able to find a way to bring more of that healing um, that even their children need um, and find a way to bring more peace into their home. We are completely um, out of time. I've thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. Tony Newhoff, thank you so much. Let me invite everyone uh, to visit Tony online. 
tonyneuhoff.com, N-I-E-U-W-H-O-F.com. Text the word book to 877-933-2484 to enter the drawing for the copies that I have of Before You Split. Uh, it, it is a um, it's a resource to find out, you know, not only what you really want for the future of your marriage, but how to get from where you are to the place you want to be. Uh, it's a it's a real gift to the conversation. Tony, what a delight! Thank you so much. Hey, thank you for having me, Carmen. It's been Absolutely. a pleasure. It's been a pleasure. We'll be right back. All right, Ruth Kramer is going to join me next from Mission Network News. We're going to talk about what in the world is going on around the world, particularly as our brothers and sisters in Christ deal with uh, COVID and other challenges, including um, uh, global responses or global perspective on the events in Washington, D.C. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Everyone has those moments when they don't handle things well, and even the best parent loses it once in a while. But if losing your cool has become the new normal, maybe it's time to hit the pause button. Hi, I'm Mark Gregston with Parenting Today's Teens. Ephesians 6.4 says, Fathers, don't provoke your children to wrath. When a parent provokes their children to the point of exasperation, it's like pouring gasoline on a smoldering fire. In fact, your angry outbursts may leave scars on your teens for years to come. So here's the challenge to you today. The next time conflict occurs and you feel your blood begin to boil, take this time-tested advice. It comes straight from the wisdom of Scripture. Don't provoke your children to wrath. Parenting teens isn't for the faint of heart. Want more help from Mark Gregston? Check out his latest resources online at parentingtodaysteens.org. All right, sometimes our perfectly laid plans don't work out perfectly. So um, we are having uh, difficulty connecting with Ruth Kramer this morning. So we're going to continue to work on that behind the scenes as uh, as all by myself. I survey some of the headline news of the day around the world. Um, So posted um, at Mission Network News, which you're going to find at missionnews.org, is a headline today related to... Um, the the nation of Lebanon. And Lebanon has declared a COVID-19 curfew. This is actually something that we are seeing uh, around the world. You may have seen it um, in, in places where you know mission personnel and where you have uh, friends around the globe. Hospitals in Lebanon have reach, reached their capacity. COVID-19 cases are surging there. Um, remember, we've been praying for Lebanon um, in, an, in an ongoing way, since uh, last year's absolutely catastrophic explosion um, in the the capital city of Beirut, and the impact that that had uh, on Christians whose whose communities were actually closest to um, the the bomb site in terms of just in terms of geography there in the city, uh, many many churches were. I'm not going to say they were destroyed because they they have in many cases been rebuilt and now are reopened, but they certainly have been struggling. Um, and uh, you will recall that um, hunger is a real issue in the nation of Lebanon. Um, it, it Lebanon is in what we would describe as a very dangerous neighborhood um, it, geopolitically, and um, we just need to be praying ardently for people there. So. 
um, in this article posted at Mission Network News, uh, one Lebanese paramedic compared the daily caseload that they are experiencing related to COVID to as similar to what they experienced in the August 4th Beirut explosion. Um, And so um, we're talking here about, you know, just overwhelming numbers. All right, we've got Ruth Kramer from Mission Network News on the line now. Ruth, good morning and welcome. Good morning. How are you? I had, oh, I'm well. I'm well. Thanks for joining us. I had, uh, I had just started briefing our audience in on sort of the very top line information um, in the piece, Lebanon declares COVID-19 curfew. Um, so I had not gotten yet to holiday celebrations or what's happening in terms of the continuation of ministry there. Right. Well, as we were talking with some of our partners in Lebanon just to find out what was going on, we found out that the state of emergency uh, begins today. So that curfew is a 24-hour lockdown, and it goes for 11 days. And that starts uh, with um, everything just being exactly like you think it is. It's everything is shut down. Uh, When the government announced their plans for a second lockdown, excuse me, a second lockdown, uh, it sent people into kind of a panic. And so uh, even though you're supposed to be practicing social distancing, because this came up with very little warning, um, people were crowded into the marketplaces. So there was no social distancing as people were trying to get what they needed to survive for the next 11 days. Um, That is one of the situations that they were encountering. But this comes on the heels of all of the practices for Orthodox Christmas and what you've had with the holiday celebrations, there weren't really any guidelines for that. And people just sort of disregarded the, um, the I guess, the protocols, the safety protocols that you might, uh, might want to uh, employ uh, with the gatherings for uh, family and with uh, the gatherings at church and things like that. So what you've had is this massive spike in in the wake of everything that's been happening with the church gatherings and the the family gatherings. Um, And people are just waiting in line outside of hospitals to try to get help. The hospitals are overloaded. uh, And so things are going uh, south very quickly. Um, A lot of ministries that work in the the Syrian refugee camps have been affected. Our partner at Triumphant Mercy Lebanon says that um, the, the COVID the virus is going sweeping through the camps of the Syrian mm. refugees and her staff, about half of her staff are sick with the virus. Um, mm. So they're out of out of commission. The other half are waiting for tests. Uh, Nuna herself, um, the, who heads up the ministry, uh, is recovering from COVID. So when I was talking to her, she was just really short of breath. She was uh, struggling a little bit. Um, but she says that they're sort of like the last uh, safety net for the Syrian refugees, and some of them uh, just will have no means of getting any food. So they're trying to figure out how to continue with the food distributions or at least getting food packets to the refugees in a safe way. In fact, Nuna said that um, she got word that one of her clients uh, was a Muslim background believer, and um, she had been – she's a recent uh, convert, and her family found out and has basically kicked her out of the family. So she's uh, alone with her daughter and um, has no means of getting any food. And so Nuna took her a food packet, just dropped it off on the doorstep and tried to keep it as safe as possible. But this kind of need is still going to be ongoing, even though you have a lockdown. In fact, it's going to be exacerbated because of the lockdown. So what she's just saying is, please be praying. Um, They can't meet. 
the way that they've normally been meeting. They can't have school the way they've normally been having school um, just because of these these situations. They've been trying to practice the social distancing, but in a, in a refugee camp, um, that's going to be very, very difficult. And that's why you've seen these surges uh, sweeping through the camps and then also just complicated by the, the holiday celebrations and things like that. Um, it's a very difficult time. They've had a really, really difficult year. Yeah, the United Nations is warning of a uh, impending famine. Um, millions of people around the world in danger of of starvation, even as uh, food prices climb around the world um, to the their highest point since 2014. So, um, so we have reached the point globally in this pandemic conversation where uh, the the absolutely most vulnerable people in refugee camps, um, and then this confluence of events related to global food prices. Um, and access to food. We, we've we've reached a point in this pandemic where we're going to see yet another another wave of death, and it is going to be um, um, from privation, from starvation. It's just it's heartbreaking. Ruth Kramer and I have to take a very brief break. When we come back, we're going to talk about a similar concern related to a COVID spike this time in Japan. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. To boldly go where no one has gone before. Continuing my conversation with Ruth Kramer from Mission Network News. Um, Ruth, let's uh, let's pivot uh, from the Middle East to uh, to the Far East. Let's talk about Japan and the state of emergency over the COVID spike there. Yeah, well, this is something that uh, Japanese have been watching and actually been pushing for a state of emergency just so that they can um, try to get those numbers under control. And it's not all of Japan. Uh, We're talking about three areas, uh, Tokyo, Hokkaido, and Osaka. And uh, Hokkaido and Osaka had been requesting state of emergency type restrictions uh, for a couple of days. And uh, Tokyo tried to resist that until you had the post-holiday surge. And then you're talking 6,100 new cases as of Thursday, and that was only expected to increase. So then Tokyo just said, okay, we're going to put everything in a state of emergency, and that actually began this week. Um, Now, the state of emergency has a different meaning than the one that we had that we were discussing for uh, Lebanon. State of emergency in Lebanon is much more severe. But in Japan, what this means basically is it's stay at home, shelter in place. Um, Everything is going to slow down quite a lot, but you're not going to be restricted from um, uh, being able to have groceries delivered and things like that. Um, It is meant to deal with the uh, difficulties because they do remember what happened the last time they had a surge. And again, this this is really all about how the hospitals are overwhelmed by what is happening when people get that sick and by so many people getting that sick. So they're just trying to take some precautions to put in place this structure that they'll need to deal with the possibilities of all of these these people that are getting infected uh, needing some some additional assistance, uh, medically speaking. Um, that does bring to mind, you know, what might be happening with the Olympics. Um, and and this is something that has been very closely watched by the government in Japan because they already had to. Uh, postpone the Olympics, which, you know, it's a massive push and Japan was 100 percent behind it. And then you have the virus and people get worried about it. And so you make the big decision to push it off for a year. And that 
that not only affects the people who have been involved with getting things ready and the preparations in, to be a host country, it also affects the athletes that are involved because a lot of times the athletes are there months in advance to be preparing for uh, a, a level of competition like the Olympics. And so you have disappointment, a wave of disappointment that that just you know, hits the country uh, at a time like this. Plus, they were already dealing with economic issues coming into that. So now you have more economic pressure that's coming in. And, you know, you and I have spoken before about the emotional state of mind in, in Japan uh, being difficult and having just this, this what they were calling an epidemic of uh, suicide and depression. Um, that has been a thing. Uh, that they've they've been combating on yet another front. So a group like Asian Access uh, comes together and equips pastors to work together, and they network together uh, to be the body of Christ in a time, uh, well, in a time like this. Um, it's not just for the crisis. They were already preparing for that, and they were already seeing a massive response to the gospel. But in a time of difficulty where people are searching for hope and they're just desperate for hope, the gospel is what they're searching for. And and it's complicated by the fact that you can't get together in churches. So they're using social media. They're using the electronic means uh, that all churches have had to pivot to, um, to keep continue uh, getting the gospel out and to continue discipling all of these new believers. Um, I'd love to take the last couple of minutes that we have um, with each other today, Ruth, and just talk about what you have been hearing from around the world from ministry partners in terms of their perspective on the events in Washington, D.C. last week? You know, when we were watching this unfold, we were trying to go to our uh, stateside partners who have ministries in evangelism specifically um, and ask them how we could focus people's uh, perspective on prayer. And a lot of our stateside ministries really didn't want to take that story because uh, everything, all the words, all the vocabulary is politically charged. Um, and mm-hmm. so we were starting to to really pray about how we were going to approach this kind of story because we've been hit by criticism on all sides. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah we, you, you know, and me I, both. Yeah, and it's ugly, and it's it's mm-hmm. unbelievably ugly. Um, so we went to a partner who has a different perspective. We went to Heart for Lebanon because, if you recall, what's been happening in Lebanon. We love Tom. Seen, yeah, Tom Adama yeah. is a great guy, and yeah. his heart and passion is for making disciples. Um, and and what what we've heard from the Lebanese uh, recently has been perspective because of they just just they just went through this um they've had all of the the protests and the mobs and the rioting and a whole change of administration and more protests because the administration wasn't doing anything um and everything was politically charged um and through it all ministries like heart for lebanon were publicly getting on stage uh, not 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 like a a physical stage but using that opportunity to turn people's eyes to Christ and say, let's pray into the situation. And what it created in Lebanon was a wave of revival, which came at a time just prior to the COVID-19 situation, which came just prior to all of the other stuff and the blast. 
So the church was already coming together and uniting and just asking God to shake Lebanon out of corruption, to shake Lebanon and wake it up to their need for a savior. And then this stuff is happening and the body of Christ is prepared to respond. And so coming into our election cycle, um, like October, November, as they saw how divisive things were getting, uh, the Lebanese churches were getting together and praying for the United States, praying for the body of Christ in the U.S. to really focus on the important things. And that is who we are in Jesus Christ and and let let our worldview be be shaped by biblical truth and to be unified as a body of Christ. Um, they were praying for us. They were in vigil for us. And so we thought, okay, that's, you know, that's fine. And the, the election was over and then it wasn't, you know? Mm-hmm. So we had mm-hmm. all of this post-election that led up to the, the uh, attack on the Capitol last week. And the Lebanese believers have been praying for us constantly in vigil uh, since then. And, and they they continue to pray for us. Um, we can take a page from their book because they have already been through what we are going through. This is new stuff for us. And we really desperately need other believers to be praying wisdom for us. Um, and we need to be open to what the Lord is saying to us in answer. Um, this is just something where the believers of other bodies of Christ in other countries are asking uh, us to be praying, um, to be asking that the love of Christ can overcome political and social divides mm-hmm. and, and pray towards unity um, Absolutely. and put aside ourselves. We have calls for prayer um, from around the world from church leaders of every uh, of every nationality and variety, um, the same uh, from the Pope uh, as from Orthodox Christians, uh, Reformed believers around the world, um, those who we would just describe as as unaffiliated in terms of their um, Christian denomination, and um, it's important that we recognize the the way that other believers around the world are intimately connected to us in the body of Christ. Uh, We rely on them to pray for us even as we turn uh, in prayer for them. So Ruth Kramer, thank you as always so much. Uh, Mission Network News, you can find it at missionnews.org and mnnonline.org, which is still the URL that my computer likes to go to. So Ruth, thank you as always so much. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. We'll be right back. The church is one body, universal, comprised of believers from every nation under heaven. Fellow believers are praying around the world for you today. That's humbling. It's also a great encouragement. Let us be praying for others, even as they are praying for us. we got another hour up next. We'll be right back. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LeBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.